Hello and welcome to The Plotting Shed. You're listening to Rachel McCartney, founder of plotplots.com and author of the book I Want to Like My Garden. Each week, The Plotting Shed discusses different aspects of garden design, but we focus on things that other books don't really talk about. I hope you enjoy this podcast and do please hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. Well, hello and welcome to the third episode of my little collection of Hampton Court Flower Show podcasts based on the trip that myself and Helen did and today is the last day of the Hampton Court Flower Show. I'm not there, actually, unfortunately. I am I might sound a little bit different because I'm now sitting in a hotel room because Mother Duty has had to take precedence and I'm here at a golf tournament with my son, um, who is currently on the golf course, and I'm just recording this. So I hope you don't pick up too many noises from the roads outside and the hotel because obviously it's in a diff- I'm not in my normal studio. But aside from that, I thought I would go through and talk about the Hampton Court Flower Show just from a slightly different perspective that most of the gardening media and the BBC and everyone does because I always try and take look at it from the perspective of the non-gardener, the non-gardening expert, the person who would love to have a, a better looking garden but who isn't 100% sure how to go about it and is looking for inspiration so if you were that person going to Hampton Court what should you take away from it what are the things that will help you make your gardens better and what are the bits that maybe you should actually take with a pinch of salt or a rice mile and leave at the show ground and don't ever bring them back into your gardens so Hampton Court this year there was lots that I really did like about Hampton Court and before I have any kind of constructive criticism is to just once again reiterate that actually for the RHS, for the designers, for the growers, for the nurserymen, for anyone who's actually got their produce to a point that it's ready to display and be on show with everything that's been thrown at us this year has been a monumental task and I think credit should be given where credit's due. However, Although the show was more relaxed because of COVID and there were fewer exhibits and exhibitors and what have you, I think the whole atmosphere was better that there was less of this frenetic, you know, we've had all the time and ability to make things perfect. There was more of a sort of a, do you know what, we're here, we've managed to do it let's just see how we go and actually I think it the gardens were better for it because it was okay that they weren't perfect when we were there the wind and the rain had been battering the plants down and there was an awful lot of meadow planting it's heavy rain these things do get flattened but they pick themselves up again so it was nice that there was this relaxed atmosphere about the planting and about the fact that it wasn't absolutely drilled down to utter, utter perfection. But my beef with the RHS and these garden shows is 
always very similar in that because the RHS wears several different hats when it comes to these shows, garden owners, people who have gardens but aren't gardeners, aren't dedicated, aren't enthusiastic gardeners, but they love a garden, flock to these shows because they want to learn and they want to see and they all do things that they can copy or they think that they can copy. But I don't believe the RHS really helps that type of gardener because that's not what the show is for. And I mean, in the last podcast that I did, you said that you have to remember the show is just that. It is a show and its primary purpose is to provide a medium and a meeting place for producers to sell their wares to the general public. And so the RHS gets caught up in this, what is it trying to to achieve and who is it trying to produce the show for? And I may sound terribly critical, but I think a lot of people, when they do go to these shows, we see them, I do it, you take photographs of the of the displays, you take photographs of the show gardens, and because then there are these QR codes on each of the stands that when people scan them it comes up with a list of plants, it gives the expectation and the inference that these gardens can be recreated if you use these plants, and they simply can't. This is the the big beef that I have, is that the RHS call these show gardens, but they're not gardens, not in the sense that you or I would need to use a garden. They're displays that display elements of gardening. They they show you how planting colour combinations can be. They give you ideas for designs and layouts and things but they're not terribly practical as gardens and I really think if the RHS want to help the general public they've got to take the word show garden away from the word show. They need to have think of a different phrase that will tell the general public that this is not something that can be recreated but it's still something that you can enjoy. But what were the bits that we, or that I and Helen and I really, really enjoyed, or I thought were the most important elements from the show? And I think my five main takeaways were it's okay now for gardens not to be neat and look manicured. The planting style was meadow planting, it was much more informal plants seemed to be plumped together and they were just this sort of tapestry of colour rather than trying to create big blocks of planting. We got rid of the monocultures where you have a big block of the same plant in one area and a different one in another area and that was great because it's something that can be reproduced by the by by people. Secondly and as important to that is that The emphasis now on the flower borders was that, yeah, they're there for us to enjoy. And and they were beautiful looking plants and it was was very pleasing on the eye and the colour palettes were nice and it was predominantly green with these little pops of colour that were dotted around the borders. But the primary function of the flower borders was to provide food for the insects. All of the plants that were in these borders were good for wildlife. 
gone with a multicolored, arti more artificial hybridized plants. Those just didn't seem to appear anymore. It was much more naturalistic looking and that was such a, a, a bonus to see that, that the designers and the RHS are showing people it's okay to have more what looked like wildflowers in the garden. That's okay. There were a few weeds in the borders. That's okay. I mean, after all, a weed is only a plant you haven't bought. It was much more about showing you that gardening can be fun and it's less focused on being perfect. It's less focused on you having a display to impress people. The impressiveness of the display is the amount of wildlife that you can attract into the garden. And that is actually the show. But also the unstuffy nature that was coming through as well. That the amount of objects that were being repurposed and upcycled were far more normal. Most of the things that we were seeing were ordinary everyday objects that were being made and put in the garden and made fun. So the watering cans were, you know, things were painted. There were the wheelie bins and painting a wheelie bin in your garden and having some plants stuck in the top of it. It was fun, but it was just taking away the stuffiness that sometimes horticulture has. It was showing you that anything and anywhere and anybody can throw some plants in somewhere and create some element of a garden, but that the bit, the bit that makes it the garden is the fact that it attracts wildlife. I was struck by how many, there were birds and there were bees and the butterflies and you could see them on the displays. In fact, I walked past one of the allotment gardens that were done by one of the schools and there's a crow on the, on the bird feeder. You know, despite the number of people there, there was a crow on the bird feeder as people were walking past. So that shows you if we put as much effort into thinking that our gardens can do good as well as look good, we will have a garden. The RHS has these two, this paradox, this opposite, because it showcases the gardens as, 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 as I've just described. And then you go into the floral marquees and it's completely the opposite. It's where perfection rules. It's where man and humans' ability to mould nature in our own manners it is what is extolled you know the alliums are all vertical and the lilies are all perfect and the, everything is straight and it's ordered and the vegetables are all perfect and that's not really realistic in terms of actually looking at the show gardens which was the bit that i said i was going to talk about in terms of what you can take from them and when you walk around these shows those sorts of things that you really should just be mindful of and i think the best weapon that you've got not to get seduced by oh look at this show garden i'd love to have something like this in 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 my garden and can we if we photograph this perhaps we could copy this at home would be each time you stand in front of the show garden imagine it on a wet and windy november afternoon and think what would be around in this garden then how much debris and detritus where would all the bits be how much work is this style or this type of garden going to create for me? And if you can see that it would work then, it's only going to be much better in the summer. 
And this is one of the things that, you know, show gardens and the RHS, when they extol the virtues of the festivals and the garden shows, they don't, they're talking to you about the displays, but not the functionality and the practicality of a display. And I wish that they would, in the descriptions that they have, that they give people, that this would be something that they would show people how you can translate this. So for example, birch trees. There are so many birch trees that designers showcase and birch trees are one of the most untidy trees that there are. I know this from bitter experience. My garden is surrounded by about five and from the 1st of January to about the 1st of December, they just drop stuff. It can be leaves, twigs, catkins, millions of seeds. They're permanently littering the garden. So why do designers keep using them? Because they're looking at how beautiful they are. Well, that's great, but stop telling the general public that birch trees are the most fantastic small garden trees. They're not. And then this year, one of my real bugbears, because it's on all of the garden makeover shows as well, is self-binding gravel paths. They were everywhere because it is a permeable path and that's that's a good thing. But in a garden, do you really want to have a self-binding gravel path? I mean, the whole purpose of a garden outside your back door is on a Sunday morning in your pyjamas, you can get a cup of tea, open the back door and pad around the garden looking at the flowers and everything else. Will you do that if you've got self-binding gravel paths? They stick to the bottom of your feet and then you walk them back in the house. And the other big, should we say, fashion feature for all of the show gardens that were around this year are rills, water rills. They were practically in every single display garden. Now, I know they look lovely. And the pictures that I've put on the posts and that I've got on the on the blotting shed blog, you'll see they're beautiful. But once again, sit there and think, it's lovely to have water, but it's wholly impractical in a garden to have an ankle-breaking trench filled with water right where you're gonna walk. I mean, one of the show gardens had a real trench that was about 18 inches deep. It is so easy to shatter your leg by falling down that. What about insects and, and animals, small invertebrates and mice and frogs and toads and things? Once they fell into these rills, it is nigh on impossible for them to get back out again. So again, it's where function and fashion don't mix. And I think what you need to do is take a step back from looking at these things saying, yes, it is beautiful, but do I want to have that rill under the birch tree and it is never going to have this lovely clear water in it. It is going to be full of catkins and twigs and bits and seeds. And in order for the rill to look like it should, it needs to be clear and clean and debris free, which just means you have a huge amount of work to do. So keep rills out of your gardens and just have a small pond or an urban pond or something like that or a, a small fountain but these they're just a fashion statement that gardeners should avoid in terms of probably the last element with regard to the Hampton Court flower show was 
the Felicity O'Rourke Extinction Garden. Now, I have to hand my hat to this particular designer that there you are, it's your one of your first show gardens. And if you're going to make a statement, and if you're going to get yourself noticed, you're going to have lots of column inches written about you. She has nailed her statement to the biggest flagpole. What did she do? Her show garden was literally a plane crash. I have to say, as a conceptual garden, I got entirely what she was what she was saying. It is very, very thought-provoking. But I did have a quiet chuckle when we were walking around Hampton Court and you're thinking there's all these beautiful displays and this wonderful tapestry of flowers and plants. And there was the tea gardens full of all the RHS roses. There was the festival of flower tents. You've got the marquees with all the country living stalls and all this beautiful things that people can buy very beautiful it's very elegant it's very sophisticated and you walk around the corner and there is a socking great big fuselage stuck on a pile of rubble with bits of suitcases and all, all the detritus that's exploded as the planes hit the ground and as a statement of saying hello my name is Felicity O'Rourke and I'm a designer I mean, hats off to the woman. She has absolutely nailed her colours to the mast. I thought it was a brilliant statement. As a garden? Well, no, it really wasn't a garden, apart from the fern and the, the ancient ferns and, and that she had to sort of demonstrate that, that eventually when we die off, you know, the plants will take over the planet again. But as the most unrealistic, I thought, I wonder how she got that one through the RHS show committees. But it was very funny, just a great contrast to everything that the RHS had sort of set up. From my perspective as a show, as going to the show garden, and my perspective as a, a garden designer who's trying to help the garden owner create a better garden, not a show-stopping garden, just one that is practical and usable and functional and fun. I think the RHS show this year did de-stuff itself. It, it has allowed a style of planting to come in that you and I can begin to start to emulate. Not copy, as I've said, but begin to start to emulate. And it was showing that perfection is not a perfect state. Actually, what we need to have are gardens that we are part of nature and it is not about how we impose ourselves in the garden it's about how we live with the birds and the bees and the wildlife and the insects and the fauna all around us and if you can take one thing from visiting a garden show it's this the fact that if your garden can look good but more importantly do good for the environment then you have created a fabulous garden and it doesn't matter how you've got there if you've got insects and wildlife and a balance of nature in your garden then you're doing a good job that was my take on rhs on hampton court flower show from next week we will start taking design aspects that we saw from the show there were lots of things that came up and I think we can discuss. So we're going to do a, a, pod, a podcast on up the wall gardens and how we can 
use different planting combinations to help you fill more space in the garden easily without having hanging baskets and looking at water features and how we can do those in the garden and a whole range of other things that, that I will post over the next few weeks. So thanks for listening. Do subscribe to the show. Do tell your friends about it. Do comment. Do send me an email, rachel at plantplots.com. I'd love to hear from you and I'll be back next week and enjoy your week. Thanks for listening. Well, thank you for listening. You have been listening to Rachel McCartane of The Plotting Shed. If you've got any questions about this podcast, please email me, rachel at plantplots.com, or you visit the website with loads of different information on garden design and gardening advice, along with planting plans that you can download. You can look at the designs that we've created. So do take a look and please do hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. You can also donate if you go onto the website plantplots.com. There's a little button there saying you can buy me a coffee. So all donations will be hugely appreciated. Thank you very much. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your garden. Take care and stay well.